Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Baby girl, baby boy, it's your girl, B. Simone, and I got my beautiful, pretty co-host, Pretty B. What's up, girl? What they do, what they do, what they do. You guys, this time on the Women of Wild and Out podcast, we got our girl, Justina Valentine, in the building. What's poppin'? We're continuing the conversation about all the hot topics that matter to us the most. We got amazing guests, the cast of Wild and Out, and more. Listen to the Women of Wild and Out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast starting February 22nd. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation And, and break us off with some bread cause we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hey, it's Dua Lipa. I'm here to tell you about my brand new podcast, Dua Lipa at Your Service. I'll be sitting down with the world's most inspiring minds to uncover what makes them tick and what they've learned from the obstacles life has thrown at them, including Sir Elton John. After a lot of upsets, a lot of disappointments, a lot of betrayals, it's turned out to be the most wonderful life right now that I could have ever imagined. Listen to Dua Lipa at Your Service on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Angela Kinsey, and I played Angela Martin. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome back 
to The Office Deep Dive. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Today, as you just heard, you will be listening to my conversation with Angela Kinsey. Now, let's get something straight. Kevin made Angela Martin crazy back in the accountant's corner throughout the entire run of The Office. But I am very happy to report that Angela Kinsey and I actually became very good friends on the set of The Office, and we are still great friends to this day, thankfully. Um, But we actually met many years before The Office. However, neither of us remembers it. Okay, so when Angela and I were in college, Angela went to Baylor, I went to SMU, hail to the red and the blue, Um, we had the same spring break. And one year, we both separately went to Acapulco, Mexico. Random, I know. But at some point during that trip, we ended up in the same cab, like the, the same van cab with a bunch of other people. And long story short, many years later, back in our little corner, we figured out that we met on that night in the cab in Acapulco, Mexico. Even though, like I said, Neither of us have any memory of it. Um, But luckily for your listening pleasure today, we do have a lot of great memories from our 10 years working together on The Office. We truly were. Angela, Oscar, and I, we were the stars of our own show over in the accountant's corner. Let me tell you, it was a great show. At least we thought it was a great show. Anyway... Please welcome my bestie, Angela Kenzie. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. Picture. I knew you were coming. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How's your family? I'm waiting for my Christmas card. Everybody's good. Oh, it was sent a while ago. Oh no, I think I got it. Oh, I think that's why. I'm glad it was so memorable. Hi guys. Oh my god, I'm so low. Why am I so low? I think that's more about your height. <laughs> hey, man, I can't see the <laughs> Jenna was just in that chair and had no issues. Well, she's taller than I am. All right. I do this for a living. <laughs> no, what is going on? This is a microphone. You know, it occurs to me we have, you and I do this all the time together. All the time. Are we already recording? Yeah, I think it's some on. some gold is going to happen. Like, we're always paired together to do like press and- Always. Satellite tours and- It's because we're good together, bud. Well, yes, we are. We are. Uh, how are you? I'm good. You yeah. look good. You have like a snazzy sports jacket I, on. I'm wearing a, I dressed up for you. <laughs> Thank you. I like the mood lighting. I like what you've done with the room. You do. It's kind of got a sexy vibe. This is my first day in this room. Like we could be in a lodge, maybe like in Vegas, a Vegas lodge. <laughs> well, they made it, they made it feel like home for me. Um. Well, I'm happy to be here, Brian. Uh, I'm happy that you're here. It's fun to go back and it's talk fun. about it's these really things. It's really fun. I mean, Jenna and I are having so much fun, but- I 
I know we knew it was a great show and that we were part of something special, but getting to watch it again, and I'm watching it now with like no agenda. Whoops, I hit the mic. <laughs> You're a professional. <laughs> um, not no, agenda is the wrong word, but I'm watching it now just as an audience. Like right. I'm not thinking about like, oh, did I get my line right? Or, you know, I'm just watching it as an audience and I'm just loving it. And I'm just like, oh man, we got to do that. Do you remember, I'm going to go out of order here, but do you remember when we were almost all fired? You mean, you mean which time? <laughs> the time with Ken Quaffis or the time when we made Oscar tell a story really loud under the window? <laughs> the one where we had Oscar. Oscar gets really animated and he gets worked up and he's kind of like a very passionate storyteller. Yes. All right. That's so to thing. set this up. Show is brand new. We get hired, and we're out in the parking lot. And alone. we are we are supporting cast. Yes. We, we are not a big ticket item on the show. Yes. We are easily replaceable. And Oscar starts telling the story very loudly, very loudly. And we were. This is when he kind of blames me. We were sort of standing over in the sun, and I'm like, guys, let's go stand in the shade. Yeah. And I scooch us up against the wall of the building, apparently right under a window where they were filming. Yes. And, and then Oscar continues his story and he goes, Kinsey almost got me fired because she's like, Oscar, over here, over here, come talk loudly under the window. <laughs> and we got yelled at. Ken Quapis yes. himself leaned out the window, our director, and said, hey, guys, could you, can you keep it down? We're trying to film here. We're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we're out of here. I have to say, what I learned really quickly in that moment is the fight or flight in all of us. Oscar, I don't know if he meant to, deer in headlights, he stepped out and looked up. My ass hugged the wall. <laughs> like, not... I made myself so small. I tucked into his shadow. I don't think Ken saw me. I think he just saw Oscar. You went flat up against a dumpster. <laughs> I probably was like, hi, Ken. Hi. But How Oscar are you? like stepped out and was like, okay. And then he was like, Angela. <laughs> um, okay. 2003. Yes. Before... Anything related to the office happened? What were you doing? Oh, man. 2003, I was working at Improv Olympic Theater, and I performed there anytime they'd give me stage time. So usually about three nights a week I did improv. Um, I was in a show with Kate Flannery, who ended up playing Meredith on The Office, and Kate Walsh, Laura Craft, really hilarious people were on this show. Rich Fulcher was our only guy, and the name of the show was Girl Team Balls. Girl Team Balls, Improv. performing three nights a week. No, no, no. That was one of the shows I was in. It okay. was like Sunday nights at like 10 o'clock, which is like really when you want to see comedy. Right. And then I had like a few other improv shows I was doing. I was all in it. It was like my life. I know. <laughs> Brian's nodding at me like, nerd, a little bit. <laughs> no. But so you're doing Improv Olympic and I'm you're working, audition I'm working at the theater. You're working at the and theater. And I'm performing there. And then auditioning. Yeah. Auditioning, like, every little thing I could do. I had a bunch of national commercials. Those were the days where you could get a big national commercial. And it would, like, you would make a nice income, especially, like, I just had a tiny little one-bedroom apartment. It's not, like, any big checks. Um, I had a Chevy Blazer that my parents had helped me buy out of college. That Chevy Blazer made it until about, oh, gosh, around Booze Cruise. I was driving back from Long Beach, and I made a left, and my right tire made a right. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Rolled right through the intersection. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, And now, did you know about the British office? Of course. I was a huge fan. You were a huge, huge fan. Huge fan. I thought it was amazing. 
But, you know, I grew up with a lot of British television because I grew up overseas. And um, that was like, I grew up on Faulty Towers and Good Neighbors and all these, that kind of sense of humor really appealed to me. Okay. So you get called to audition. Well, actually, I knew Greg Daniels at the time. I was related to Greg by marriage. You guys know that out there, right? I've talked about it. Um, And I mean, I just loved Greg. He was so supportive of my career. He would come to my improv shows. I look back on it now, Brian, and I know you you do too because you have kids. They probably had to get a babysitter to come to my show. Like I, but when you're in your 20s, you don't think of that. You're like, I have an improv show at 10 o'clock, you know, <laughs> on a Sunday. <laughs> on a Sunday. But now I think about it and I'm like, what like it takes to get out to get to someone's whatever it is. So he was always so supportive and um, he was going to be doing the remake and he said, you know, this is one you should come in for. You should, this is kind of in your wheelhouse. And I was like, okay. And I was nervous. I was nervous about what that looked like in the USA because I loved the British version. And I was like, oh no, are they going to, but I knew if anyone could do it, it'd be Greg because he's, he is just brilliant. He really is. And so you get the call and you go, is there anything specifically you remember about the day you went into audition? You were auditioning not for Angela. I was auditioning for Pam. I remember it very, very well because before I went in, Greg said, Angela, <laughs> this sounds kind of funny saying this. Um, he's like, I am not going to acknowledge you, okay? Like, we don't know each other. He said, trust me on this. If they just think you're there, just like anyone else, it's going to serve you better. He goes, I know you can do this. You know you can do it. I am not going to in any way let them know that I know you and you don't do the same. So I was like, okay, got it. <laughs> and you know me, my poker face is horrible. <laughs> so You walk I, in and you're like, hi, hi stranger. Hi, Greg. <laughs> um, but no, I walked in and there was a room full of people. It was a producer session. He was in the back corner and um, I wore a, like a pink turtleneck and my hair sort of half up, half down. And um, I had really worked hard on the scene. I felt really good about it. And it was going great. I was reading with Phyllis, and um, there's a moment when Michael fake fires Pam in front of Ryan the temp. And it's such a jerk move, right? And Pam calls him a jerk. She starts to cry, and she calls him a jerk. Because you you kind of realize that as crappy as this job is, she probably needs this job. And um, when Phyllis, as Michael, fake fires me, I look up, and I called her a jerk. But I, I guess I was like, jerk. And like everyone started laughing. And I remember in my mind thinking like, I don't think I'm supposed to get a laugh right there. <laughs> but, so you got a laugh on the jerk I line. I got a laugh on the jerk line. But I every it was like everything was going great. I walked out of there. Greg really like close to his chest gave me like where no one could see, like a big smile and a thumbs up, which, you know, I was like on cloud nine. And I felt great about it. I walked out of there. I was like, woo And then I didn't get it. Um, and like that was that. And, you know, you go on to your next audition. I had an audition for a pilot for the Oxygen channel. Do you remember the Oxygen Network? Yes. I was a big star on Oxygen. I bet you were. I, yeah. bet, I bet you crushed it over there. It was a, a pilot that was like um, an improv pilot, kind of like Curb Your Enthusiasm before Curb. Right. And they got these phenomenal improv actors. And I had auditioned for it and got it. And they were flying me to New York. And I thought I was so fancy getting flown first class to New York. We filmed in the village, and I was like, oh, this one's the one going. <laughs> like, this is happening. I played the slutty receptionist. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, and then two months went by. I was waiting to hear about that, and I got a call saying, you know that show, The Office? They really liked you. They just thought you were a little too feisty for Pam. 
And they were like, this this woman is like, like she works in accounting and she's sort of stuffy. She doesn't really have anything nice to say about anybody. And then they said, when you come back in, just really downplay your looks. Like, you know, this is a very drab accountant in a paper company in Scranton. So I read with Ken Quapis, and it was like one line, and I'll never forget it because he said, um, well, Angela, you know how he talks. Well, Angela, yeah, um, you made a real meal out of that line. <laughs> and I was like, wait, is that good? <laughs> I don't know. Do I want to make a meal out of that line? But I felt really good about it. It was the scene that you and I ultimately do. Right. And, um, and then I got a call that I got it, and I couldn't believe it because it was like this thing that I had let go. I was like, that's great. And then I remember thinking, like, well, what about Salon Royale, <laughs> the pilot I did for Oxygen? It was called Salon Royale. Salon Royale. And um, it didn't go. Salon Royale did not go. Okay. So I went from the slutty receptionist to the prickly accountant. <laughs> what? Now, what would have happened if Salon Royale had gone? gone I think I would. You would not have been on The Office. No, and I would have been a lead. I would have. Been, I would have thought, woohoo! I'm like one of the leads of Salon Royale. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it all worked out. Oh, oh my goodness! So you did you know anybody else that had been cast? You had worked with some people before. Yes, I knew Oscar Nunez. We had done a sketch comedy show called Hot Towel. Hot towel. Hot towel. Why do sketch comedy shows all have weird names? Because you wait. Because you're in your twenties and you think you're hilarious. Hot towel is hilarious. Like the hot towel they hand you like on a plane. We were like, yeah, let's be hot towel. I don't know. Oh, because they had flown you first class. No, no, no. You'd have it wasn't that experience. My idea. And you were like, oh, let's call it hot towel. No, it actually wasn't. That would be perfect. But it actually wasn't my idea. Um, so I knew Oscar. And then um, Kate Flannery and I had done improv together. Uh, Dave Keckner. I knew all the improv circles, you know. Um, Do you remember having any reaction with Ben Silverman? Or Quapus. Quapus, I... This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. (laughs) And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Loved. Like right away, he was just amazing. And I'll never forget our scene when we did the pilot. It was the last shot of the day, and we had had a long day. And I could tell. Ken was done. He wanted to go home. And he has this two-line scene in accounting. He sends everyone home but us. We're over there in the corner. You and I have been waiting all day for this moment. Right. And I said my line. You said yours. And he goes, okay. uh, First of all, Ken doesn't say action. You know, he goes, "Eh, go ahead. And then you do your scene. And he's like, you know what? Why don't you do it again? But like, give it half of that. I'm like, give it half of that. So I say, my line was like, well, if someone's going to be fired, I, you know, it's probably going to be me. And he was like, yeah, yeah, give it half of that. And I'm like, do I sound like some vaudeville? Can we, am I like, if someone's going to be fired, it'll probably be me. Like, I was like, give it half of that. So I was like, if someone's going to be fired, it'll probably be me. And he was like, and one more less. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, then, and then I remember you and I, and so I did. I said, it. I just like gave it nothing, right? And then he was like, I think we got it. And then he left and I turned to you and I was like, are we going to be fired? And you're like, I think, I think we just, I think we're fired. <laughs> I think we suck. <laughs> oh my gosh.
It's a hard time for hiring. So you need a hiring partner built for hard times. That's Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If I could be you. And you could be me for just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. What do you remember that was different about shooting the pilot for The Office than anything else you'd worked on before? Was there anything different that you remember? Well, sure. I mean, there were a few things. First of all, like the tone, like just the fact that Ken like made us get there early and do work. We were to go to our desks and do work like we were filing papers or typing something and sit in silence. Take a call if you want to take a call. It was very method kind of go there and work on your desk. And he just rolled B-roll camera. Yep. And then also like we had no marks, like the the sort of... um. The idea that you were on a TV show 
it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like any other set I'd been on. It almost was like I was on a reality TV show and I had been miked and told to go work in an office somewhere. Like the the feeling of the crew, all of that was just like it wasn't there. Right. There were only like the the crew felt very small, like skeleton crew. And um, all the other shows you're on, it feels like a production. Right. That's very interesting. The, the idea that we didn't have marks. Yeah. Right. That in normal television shows, they mark where you're supposed to stand so the camera can capture you perfectly in mm-hmm. your scene. And focus, walking up, delivering your lines. And we didn't have that. This was a documentary. So the camera was expected to find you wherever you happen to land. Yeah. They, they would say, walk up to reception and you're going to deliver your lines at reception. And, you know, Angela... You're going to stand over by the copier, and Brian, you're going to stand over by the coat rack. But they didn't – and it, within three feet of that area, we could roam around and do whatever we wanted. Right. Also, there was no – there was no missing wall, right? We were in – and in fact, the pilot we shot in an actual office space. Right. And so the walls were not movable. They had to truly work in the space they were in, which I thought was great because it is a documentary. They can't fudge that. They have to – like if a wall's there on other TV shows, they'd be like, well, fly out the wall. Move the wall. <laughs> it's messing up my shot. But this, you had to work around it. And I think like the camera finding you and if it was blurry or a little bit, if they missed you and then had to find you, all of that was gold for this type of show. Because they didn't want it to feel like a polis, polished network television show. Yeah. How do you feel like choosing Scranton to set the space in? What do you think that did for us? Well, I think it grounded it. It made it like any town, right? It could be anywhere. So these things can happen anywhere to anyone. We're just uh, a normal town. I really liked that. I also think that a lot of the shows skew towards big cities. And um, I like seeing the smaller towns. Yeah. I think that also, I mean, you're right, but I think also Greg taking it a step further and saying, we're going to create an any town by being as absolutely true and specific as we can mm-hmm. to this town. Right. And it it is one of the things that does make me sad if, if um, you were going to say, what are some regrets about filming The Office is that we never got to film an episode there on location. And they tried, they really tried, but it was, it's a lot of moving parts to move a whole cast and crew and set up for a week. But we tried to do the St. Patrick's Day, remember the parade, and that would have been so cool. You know, what's so crazy is that Jenna said the same thing and I said the same thing. It's one of my biggest regrets that we never went there. As a production, now we all went there. Yes. And it was, I fell in love with the place. So did you. I still think you should have a you, bar there called Malone's. <laughs> you should have a bar called Malone's in Scranton. <laughs> you and I were the first ones to go. We were. Officially. Yes. yes. And then we came back and we're like, you guys, you all have to go. It's amazing. That is one of my favorite weekends of my life. And that is, you guys, that includes becoming a mother. <laughs> like, that's how much fun this weekend was. It was just a blast. First of all, they sent a limo for us. We were in New York City doing press, and I got in it first. They picked me up first, and they were going to pick up you. You guys, this is before you texted people. This really dates us, but I had like a BlackBerry, and I was trying to tell Brian we were we had a ride. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. Old 
these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have to pick him up, and I was like, we're in a 
stretch limo that looks like a truck, <laughs> like an SUV. Oh, yeah. A Hummer <laughs> limo. A Hummer, it was, and they had it all, the stuff in there, because we were going to then drive to Scranton. And I was like, Brian, what is happening? Where are we going? Yeah, I, I, that first time in Scranton, actually, you and I, it was like we were the Beatles. Yeah. We went you know. up to a rooftop in Scranton because they said, oh, a few people from the city want to meet you. We'll have some drinks. We went up there and there were like 4,000 people on the roof. It was, and it was just me and you. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. And then when we all went back, everyone was like, oh, my God. I remember Ed Helms turned to me. He wanted to go into this train store and we had to go out the back entrance because the store had been surrounded by people. And he said, Ange, this might be the closest we'll ever be to being a Beatle. Yes. Um, so I've been talking to people a little bit about creating – their characters was there because your training was in improv. Mm-hmm. Well, I did theater like right. all through, you know, high school and college. I did theater, but my love and passion was improv and comedy and sketch comedy. Right, and so creating the character of Angela, did you? Was there a, like a special sauce that you had about creating her physically, or? Well, the way I dressed for my second audition when I came back in for what would end up being Angela, they asked me if I could bring my own clothes to the pilot. <laughs> I wore my own clothes in the pilot. So yeah, I guess my <laughs> gray on gray that I, what I had in my closet ended up being a color scheme for her. Um, I brought a photo of myself and my grandmother, Lena Mae Kinsey, and my eyes are closed in the photo and it's a black and white picture. I just thought it was really funny that she would frame that. It said, I heart grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I, because Ken really wanted us to decorate our workspace. And I put that on my desk. And so, you know, I guess in my mind, I saw her as this sort of stuffy gal, but she wasn't malicious. She just took work very seriously and she was here to do work. She wasn't there for shenanigans, you know, and that's sort of how I approached her. The one line Greg told me is she probably doesn't have a lot of nice things to say about everyone. And then I had a prop on my desk that was a paperclip holder that was kind of a big cat laying on its side. Right. I still have that to this day. So I thought, like, well, I have this photo of me and my grandmother. Like, was her grandma her best friend? I don't know. <laughs> I have this cat paperclip holder. I'm wearing all gray. And I know she probably doesn't have a lot of nice things to say. So that just sort of informed me. I started to put her together. And then, you know, in the pilot, I improvised the whole sprinkles thing. Ken Quapas wanted me to pass around papers in the background of a scene. And I asked him, what what papers? He said, it doesn't matter. And I doodled a little cat. And I said, you're invited to Sprinkle's first birthday party. And I sort of made it up that I'd found this cat in the parking lot. And I invited everyone but Jim. I just figured Jim would have, like, made fun of me or something. (laughs) And that was all stuff I was doing on my own, you know? Right. You saved the Sprinkles Post-it. I still have the Sprinkles Post-it note. You gave me... The one that was on the partition. Yeah. When we wrapped, you gave me that, and I like, I love it so much. Um, you kept it. No one else kept it. <laughs> no. Kevin, 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 my my, the person that drove me craziest kept. He my... was sentimental in a yeah. in a weird way. Um, do you remember seeing the pilot for the first time? Yeah. 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 What did you think of it? I thought it was really funny. I thought it was really funny, and I thought, well, maybe we have a chance. But for me. When I really thought, oh, this is, we've got something, was Diversity Day. And that scene of all of us in the conference room with those note cards on our forehead, I was Jamaica, you know. Um, I think you, and you I, do, Mom. I think you do, Mom. Stop it. You and I had that great scene. Um, I remember looking around and being like, oh, this is, 
I'm not seeing this on TV right now. We're the only people doing this here, and this feels really special. Yeah. And do you remember anything about getting the call that the show was picked up for a series? I do. I was, I mean, I, I thought, oh, my God. My first thought was, well, I guess I could go down to part-time at the theater. <laughs> because I just didn't know, like, nothing for me had ever stuck. And I remember being, I was excited, but being nervous if it meant I should quit the other job. Did you know that on the day Dr. King was shot, the all-black security detail normally assigned to him was called off? They're the ones who would not allow him to stay at any hotel with balconies. That security union was reassigned. There was a man there who had just gone in and there was a contract on my life that I was to go home. Did you know that on the day Dr. King was shot, two black firemen stationed across the street and one black police detective who was surveilling King were all taken off the job? What was the emergency that caused you to be moved to another fire station? Sure, there was no emergency. Chief Wallace, did you ever ask what this was all about? Yes. And then what were you told? I told that I had been threatened. This is the MLK Tapes. The first episodes are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Dutton. And I'm Elizabeth Dutton. Oh, wait, sorry. Zaren, do you want to say your name? No, I'm good. Go, go ahead. We're the hosts of Ridiculous Crime. People love true crime, right? The mystery, the intrigue, the human frailty. Totally. But what a lot of us don't like is the blood and the guts and the mayhem. Wait, 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 wait. Some of us do like the mayhem. Uh, okay. But let's be real. There's nothing funny about murder. Okay, that's right. Our show gives you stories like the kidnapping of Frank Sinatra Jr. and the Max Headroom signal hijacking. Oh, so you mean ridiculous stories like the UK cat shaver and Pablo Escobar's cocaine hippos. Yeah, stories like the dudes who stole Buzzy the animatronic whatever he was from Disney World and the woman whose husband tried to kill her but came back from the dead and surprised him at her own funeral. Yeah, that does sound good. You can find this new podcast, Ridiculous Crime, all over the place. The iHeartRadio app, the Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know how you live. Ridiculous Crime. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide to this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Okay, so we finished the first season, and then we come back for season two. What do you remember that changed? Um, hair and makeup. The hair and makeup was like a um, like if my my grandpa that used he used to like try to make things with wood. The makeup area was like someone who uh, put a, together a few pieces of plywood and like clamped a light on it that looked like an electrical hazard. In the middle of an empty warehouse, season two, we had a trailer. You walked inside, and it was a hair and makeup trailer. And right. There was music playing, and you sat in a chair. 
and there were lights. And then we moved to mm-hmm. an actual soundstage. Right. And then 40-year-old virgin, right? 40-year-old virgin, That yes. was the game changer for Steve. And Jenna and I have talked about this where we had this moment where we're like, oh, my God, our friend Steve's going to be like real famous, like real deal famous. Right. I really felt like they were banking on Steve. And I was like, okay, I will attach myself to the Steve wagon. I'm banking on him too. I thought that that was a really good sign. But I still wasn't confident. I, I mean, I still was like, when we finished those first six, because season one was just six, they printed our names on pieces of paper and then laminated them and put a piece of Velcro on the back. And that's what stuck to your door of your trailer. And I went up to mine and ripped the, ripped it off and said, I'm going to save that. That was fun. <laughs> Because you were sure it was done. I just didn't know. I mean, they were putting so much at the time. NBC had this show that was like our rival sort of show that was this couple. And they were on every bus everywhere. We weren't on any buses. (laughs) We weren't anywhere. And I was like, wow, they're putting a lot of money on those guys. (laughs) Yes. There was not a whole lot of confidence. But Kevin Riley. I I was about to say, I knew Kevin Riley was fighting for us. And I know that's why when we ultimately won an Emmy, all you guys lifted him in the air. And that's the photo that made the LA Times. Because we all knew as a cast, we stayed on the air because Kevin Riley put his neck on the line for us. Right. When did you feel like we actually had security? I know distinctly. Okay, go ahead. Well, I remember getting an email that our first Christmas episode had become the number one download on iTunes. And I was like, what? And I said, oh, that's it. Mama's getting rid of her Chevy Blazer. <laughs> and then I got a Honda. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that was a huge moment. And it's funny, before that aired, there was a moment that was very significant for you and I, which was Booze Cruise. Yes. When we finally became series regulars. Yep. I found out I was going to be a series regular. And there's a photo that um, I think Oscar took of Jenna and I when I found out we're jumping up in the air holding hands. And I mean, up until then, we were basically like week to week. Like I remember in Halloween episode when they were like, yeah, we're going to actually fire one person. We were all like, okay. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? <laughs> I, I, I petitioned for it to be you. Ah! Actually, I want you to. No. I remember saying to my mom, I'm like, mom, you know, pretty much anyone can go, really. And she was like, well, every office needs a bitch. <laughs> That's what like, she said to you? Yeah. She's like, every office needs the bitch. I'm like, so okay. She, so your mom was confident that it wouldn't be you. My mom was, you have, you know, Bertie Kinsey. <laughs> yeah. She's like, don't speak it. Don't speak it. <laughs> Put out the positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So at this time, so this happens. Um, we shoot Booze Cruise. It airs after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Christmas episode happens on TV. Mm-hmm. It's our lar- largest audience ever. Ever. Then iTunes streaming, we become number one in that. Mm-hmm. And then Steve wins the Golden Globes. What do you remember about that night of us at the Golden Globes? Um, I remember I got a spray tan because I thought I was really white, like too white in my dress. And so people were like, get a spray tan. And then Rain made fun of me so much. He was like, how, what, what? So one day on the office, Angela Martin is like pale. And the next day you look like orange. (laughs) He was like, Angela. I was like, I don't know, Rain. And then um, we weren't allowed to sit in the main room. Only Steve got invited into the main room where the fancy people were. We were in the annex and we watched him win like on TV. Right. And we were, we, we about like, 
fell out of our chairs. Literally, we fell out of the sofa. We made such a scene that other fancy people were like, who are those guys? We were <laughs> screaming. We we're so excited. And when the party lets out, it lets out into the room we were in. And we like we tackled Steve. We we're so excited. Yeah. And then season two happens. And then that year we win the Emmy. Yeah. That was so cool. And now we're, you know, at least in terms of the Emmys, what do they know? But we're now the number one show. Yeah. Um, and so we've gone from, do we even have a job? Are right. We, are they going to let us do one more to now suddenly we're a hit? Do you think that that changed anything? Well, yeah, for sure. It changed everything as far as the network was concerned. I think that the show was fantastic. I think our fans were there, but it really made us bankable for the network. And then we started getting the bigger orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then creatively, the show started finding its form in terms of we're going to have a cold open. The episodes are going to take place more or less in a day. What do you think the cold opens allowed the show to do? I think they allowed to show other departments, other little just relationships and worlds within Dunder Mifflin. Well, yeah, they could be character studies too mm-hmm. and not have to be tied to anything. To any storyline. Right. I mean – the uh, Kevin making his chili. It's never discussed again. No. There's never any conversation. At least once a year, Kevin yeah. says he brings in the chili. He never brings it in again. He does it one time, he spills it, and that's it. Um, but I think in terms of it, it allowed the show to do something for pure comedy, for a character I, study. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of ways that our show did that that I loved, and I, I think that was Greg Daniels you know, just doing his thing. I mean, there would be nuggets dropped in a monologue, like a talking head. And you're like, what? And it's never revisited again, but it's just like information. All of a sudden, we all know that Creed did action movies in Hong Kong. What? You know, or like whatever. I mean, Dwight has some really good ones too. Um, but I love that about the chili. It's just assumed information. And and we start in the middle. We don't explain to you everything. I was just rewatching. Um, the Halloween episode, and when Michael leaves, he walks right past Hank. Never introduced Hank. That's just where he sits. That's who he is. He's security downstairs. But there weren't these big, like, now we must introduce this, and this is a thing. It was just like their life. All right, you guys. That's it for now. We are out of time, as they say, but we will be back with more of Angela, I promise, in a future episode. And until then, we have a bunch more great interviews coming your way. Thank you so much for listening. And please, please, just for me, have a great week. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Lang Lee. Our senior producer is Tessa Kramer. Our associate producer is Emily Carr. And our assistant editor is Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend, Creed Bratton. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.
Hey, Elizabeth, you're the co-host of that new podcast, Ridiculous Crime. Why, yes, I am. You know what's ridiculous? Yeah, carpeting in kitchens and bathrooms. Oh, wow, you are good. But you know what's also ridiculous? A 16-year-old who breaks into a car dealership and steals Guy Fieri's Lamborghini. What? Yes, to impress a girl. I'll tell you all about it on Ridiculous Crime, our podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heist and cons. It's always 99% murder-free. And 100% ridiculous. Listen to Ridiculous Crime on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Christina Hutchinson. And Corinne Fisher. We're thrilled to announce that our show, Guys We F*** the Anti-Slut-Shaming Podcast, is returning to wide release. That's right. Every Friday, we talk to one of our favorite comedians or an expert in the field of sexuality, love, and relationships. To hear what all the f***s are about, subscribe now. And listen to the Luminary original podcast, Guys We F*** starting January 21st on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Dana Goodyear here. Have you ever wondered how a true crime podcast like Lost Hills gets made? How we unearth secrets and tease out the truth and deal with complicated characters while tackling sensitive subjects like violence, trauma, and deception? Now's your chance to find out. Join me and Jake Halpern, host of Pushkin's Deep Cover podcast, on March 16th for a digital conversation on true crime storytelling. Get your tickets now at momenthouse.com slash DCLH. That's M-O-M-E-N-T house dot com slash DCLH. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 